Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Hey, welcome to episode 21 of the PHP Town Hall. Today we're joined by the amazing Raphael Toms and Erica Heidi, along with uh, myself, Ben Evans, and Phil Sturgeon, as always. Oh. So, uh, Raphael, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the crowd. Hey, uh, I'm trying to find who the amazing guy you said is. I, I don't know him. <laughs> well, it's the hair. The hair is amazing. Oh, that must be it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, I like to introduce myself as a community addict, uh, creator of user groups, um, and, and basically just a PHP evangelist, right? So right now I'm running Amsterdam PHP, um, but I've also um, – Created a couple of groups back in Brazil as well, PHP uh, Sao Paulo and PHP uh, Brasilia. So that, yeah, that's pretty much me, and and I just keep you know saying things on Twitter and getting corrected all the time. All right, cool. Um, Erica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi there, my name is Erica. I am also from Brazil, but I'm from another place, a different place from Rafael, uh, from the northeast, and I've been living in Amsterdam for one year and some months. And I got to know the amazing Amsterdam PHP group. Uh, I didn't know Raphael before that. And it was really nice, really cool, uh, changed my life. <laughs> so here I am now. And I recently published a book on Lean Pub about Vagrant. And I think that's it. <laughs> I'm a bit shy, by the way. All right, cool. So you're both from Brazil and living in Amsterdam now and didn't know each other beforehand. No. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. Let's, let's talk about that a bit. What was your, uh, your path kind of from Brazil to Amsterdam? Why, why Amsterdam? Rafael first. <laughs> so, well, basically, uh, a few years ago, while I was in, in Sao Paulo in Brazil, uh, it's a crazy town you know it, it's really good professionally but it's also one of those places you don't want to live in it's not a quiet town at all right it's huge uh and that just started getting tiring for me and my wife and we decided okay we want something new we want to you know fresh air um so i decided okay well let's look for stuff outside of brazil um i reached out to you know the the great php community uh and then quite quickly michelangelo and scoop uh handed me a few companies in amsterdam to talk to um, I was also talking to a few companies uh, in the U.S., um, but Amsterdam just seemed like a fit. You know, it's in the middle of Europe. You know, we're young. We have no responsibilities. So, you know, let's take the time to travel, get to know Europe and stuff. Uh, and Amsterdam is one of those places where you can get by without having to learn the local language um, as opposed to like France or, or Germany. Uh, so we just, we just took it from there. Um, and then in a very calm and quiet manner in one month after we, we made that decision. Um, yeah. One month and a half, we were on the plane to Amsterdam. So it was, it was quite insane. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. We moved here and then, yeah, things have been going very, very well uh, since this year has been a bit of a drama, but in terms of PHP and the awesome community, uh, yeah, we got here um, immediately. I got in touch with people and then I don't know, maybe, Four, three to four months afterwards, I started a new user group. So, <laughs> yeah, that's me. So, um, marijuana was your main reason for moving there, as I can tell. <laughs> yes, that's what yes. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. All right, uh, Erica, so how did you end up in Amsterdam? Well, I came from a very small city in Brazil, and we don't have a lot of opportunities there. Uh, the only user group, the PHP user group there, they're like, there's a meeting every once like six months. So it's really hard to get in touch with the community there. 
And well, uh, I started looking for something outside Brazil and uh, me and my husband, and he got an opportunity to, to come to Amsterdam. So I came and here I am now. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, I was busy writing notes. Um, so uh, Erica, what got you involved in uh, writing the book about Vagrant? What, why did you start using Vagrant so much? Uh, well, I uh, started using, I heard, the first time I heard about Vagrant was in a meetup, in the Amsterdam PHP meetup. So I found it was really amazing idea, and I started using the next day. So I, I, I struggled with it for some time. It was very tough in the beginning, and I had to create some, some projects for the company I was working. And... Then I, I started to like it eventually. So um, I, I also really love to write, and then I found that it was a good subject to talk about. And I found Lean Pub, and it's really awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I space again. I'm, I'm trying to get some notes down at the same time as, uh, as doing all this. Um, so you said that you've uh, worked quite closely with one of the kind of core vagrant people, or they, they were helping you out. Who was, who was helping you? Uh, me, uh, uh, I made a research uh, about the Vagrant usage and Mitchell, the Vagrant, Vagrant's creator, helped to spread the word about the research. So I got many more answers, also not only from PHP developers and also from other, um, other you know, targets, other areas. <laughs> Cool. I, I actually took part in that survey and I completely forgot about it. And I also didn't know it was you that did that survey. I, uh... Yeah, it was me. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, what, what sort of questions were you asking there? I can't remember. Like, how many projects do you use it for? What was what were the what were the questions? Yeah, the main uh, the the main curiosity was about the most used provisioner because there are so many and everybody has a favorite one. And so I find out I found out that Puppet is the most popular one, and I I find that maybe PHP developers uh, are guilty of that because um, there's a, the Puppet project from Juan Treminio and, and it creates it's a web interface to create Puppet uh, uh, PHP environments with Puppet. So um, a lot of people started using it. I started using Vagrant with this uh, interface. And then I think that it got more popular with PHP developers because of that. Yeah, quite honestly, I find that all of the trouble I had with Vagrant in not understanding what was going on ended up that it was just Puppet. <laughs> yes. I, I couldn't understand you know, writing the modules. and It just way over my head. And then I found Ansible. And yay! Yay! I think yes. I think that is one of the troubles that people have, kind of getting used to it, is that when they start learning Vagrant, they have to start learning a provisioning tool as well. Because with Vagrant, it's literally just an SSH wrapper for a virtual machine. There's no crazy fanciness to it, or there has been some craziness added to it recently, which we can talk about later. But it's pretty much just like a wrapper for an Ubuntu or whatever server you want. Um, but then once you get into Puppet or Chef or Ansible, even choosing between the three of them is insanely difficult. Um, have you guys uh, got like a definite favorite? Do you use different ones here and there? Raphael's Ansible, clearly. But Yeah, uh, I, actually I had been trying uh, Puppet for a, a few times, running on a few machines, mainly use it, uh, using uh, Puppet from uh, JTremio. And um, and then I found well, uh, my manager actually started using um, Ansible for all of our DevOps stuff at the office. And then I looked at it, I was like, okay, that I, I can actually understand what you're doing there. Um, so I started looking at it, and then uh, we're running the Amsterdam PHP website, um, open source project. So I decided, okay, well, let's try and use Ansible to to provision it and stuff to to get our vagrant stuff. And it just it's it just so much simpler. The the syntax is so much straightforward. It's just simple uh, YAML. Um, you know, you have some quirks. It's not as as flexible as, as as Puppet, for example, which you know can figure out which system you're in and install packages in a whole bunch of different ways. But most of the time, I don't need to switch from one flavor of of, of Linux to another. So you know, writing a simple script that goes through apt get and all that is already a huge improvement over any uh, SSH implementation. 
Um, and I can look at a syntax and say, okay, well, this is exactly what this is doing, and it's quite clear. Ah, I just noticed that uh, I accidentally clicked something. I've worked out why uh, Google Plus um, focuses just on specific people for a while, because you can actually click around. I only just found this out. So now I'm clicking around and people see different things. But I just clicked <laughs> on me. So unfortunately, everyone's just been staring at my face for five minutes. Um, <laughs> so now I've done. I've turned it off. We shouldn't have any more troubles with that. Um, yeah, remember the, uh, the first episode, it was just your face the entire entire yeah. time. Yeah, it's just an hour of an hour of film. I'm sure I was just like picking my nose and just doing whatever, thinking people couldn't see me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so with Ansible, it's it's like the closest of the three that's just bash commands, right? Like you have YAML, which basically are just bash commands, um, and then it happens to run them on lots of servers or maybe just one if you tell it to, right? It's it's uh, the most simple of the lot. And then with Chef, you can kind of do the same sort of thing, but there's also a lot more moving parts. And the just the terminology alone for Chef, have either of you guys really tried tried playing with Chef that much? Uh, not really, no. no. I tried uh, only with Vagrant, and I found it very hard. And the documentation is very, very chaotic, and I couldn't grasp it at first. It's really complicated. Yeah, I mean, I was using Chef for all of 2013, basically from the very start to the very end. And um, uh, they went from version 11 to version 12, I think. I think it's 12 or 11. So 0. 0. 0.10, I think it was, to 11 uh, is is quite a big jump. I think they might have gone from 11 to like 7 or 8 straight away, just so they had bigger numbers and looked more impressive. But... It's still a lot of change happened that year, and the documentation got redone three times, and the company changed a lot of stuff. And I feel like that's the same with all of the DevOps options, because the whole DevOps thing is quite new, and there's a lot of competition for which is the one true system for everyone to use. Things are moving really fast, and while that is awesome, because we get bigger and better tools, it's also really fucking complicated to try and keep up with what's going on. Um, I've been using Chef a lot, and I really love it, but there's so many parts. You have, uh, you have nodes, you have uh, run lists, you have cookbooks, and, uh, and you have uh, different... There's just a lot of things, and I can't even remember more than that all now. Ben, you, you haven't used any of these systems, right? I've used them. I'm just not a fan of them. I haven't used Ansible, but I've used Chef and Puppet and Vagrant. Um, my biggest thing is I don't see much of much of an advantage, especially, well, they're all pretty different tools, so let's say like Vagrant. I don't like using virtual machines for development. I pretty much only use them for testing because, one, they just slow down your computer a decent bit. And um, I stay pretty mobile, so battery life is a pretty big deal for me. And if I run a virtual machine, you know, my battery's going to die in half the time. Um, so I personally like to keep it all native on my Mac, and I don't see... Uh, I just really don't see much of an advantage of virtual machines unless you have like a big team and it's helpful to share projects as machines. Yeah, I, fi I find that I actually I don't use Vagrant on a day-to-day -day thing to, to develop uh, for the same reasons, you know, memory consumption and it just, you know, makes the whole thing slower. Um, I do find um, Ansible, Ansible has two sides to it, right? The provisioning and it's also becoming uh, a deployment tool, right? Because it basically can run scripts and do stuff. So people are actually writing their their complete deploy scripts based on that. And it's pretty cool because they can then, you know, spin up new Amazon servers, do the whole deploy. Uh, once that's done, you can swap out servers and stuff. So so it's pretty flexible in that. Um, but I did find, you know, the whole Vagrant thing interesting this week. Uh, I was trying to spin up a very old uh, Rails app that I have. Uh, it was one of my side projects, and I decided to just, you know, bring it back, see if I can make some money on it. Uh, and you know, running Ruby and all that gem hell in my local machine is is hell. So I finally, you know, I'll just try this out with Vagrant, see if I can get Ansible to give me a machine where it works because it's also like Rails two point three point very old or something. Um, and then with that same setup, I can now spin up a machine up on a digital ocean and just tell it to okay, fix that machine and put the application there. So it saves me the time to try and figure out that server. I already figured out my local environment. Now I have the server all ready for me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good point. I can definitely see that, especially with Ruby, because, God, versioning in Ruby is horrible. Oh, God. Um, 
I, I, I think you kind of hit on the head of why Vagrant is really useful. Um, because for me, if you if you use something like MAMP, then you might not need anything else. If all you ever do is make PHP applications and you use content management systems and frameworks that have already been designed specifically to try and like uh, make a lot of the difference agnostic and kind of uh, abstract a lot of the, you know, is it Windows or, or OS X bullshit. Um, if, if you're doing that sort of stuff, then something like MAMP is probably fine. Like, you're not going to notice the problems. But if you're using uh, uh, Go and Python and Ruby and PHP and all, all different things, and you've got one that's on uh, MySQL and one that's on Postgres, and you've got another system that uses Redis and another one that uses Memcache, trying to keep all of those things installed on your actual box and running and not clashing with each other is just an absolute nightmare. And if you do, like, freelance projects, I really like that I have a certain client and I have their exact setup with all of their, like, they've got a bit of Node in there for some reason and some other shite. Um, I like that I can just turn that off and leave it there, and then when I have to go back and work on something else with that client, Vagrant up, and I'm ready to go. And until then, I'd have to worry about it conflicting because port 80 is assigned to Nginx and Node.js or something. And if you guys do that sort of work, Erica? Yes, uh, for me the most important thing is that too because uh, I like to to work with different sorts of projects, and I don't want to have everything installed in my in my working machine in my operating system because sometimes it can be very messy. And also, uh, I think that it's important for open source projects that have an actual installation or special requirements because then you can. Um, provide people with something that it's ready to go if uh, someone wants to contribute way more easier if there's a Vagrant setup ready for the, the project. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. And it might just be my use case, really. So, you know, I, I work for a company, and so I'm working on the same select few products all day and mostly the same stack. Um, I do jump around languages a bit, but they don't tend to... You know, it's not a completely different stack. So it might be, you know, RHEL's 2.8 or whatever. Um, or I'm sorry, Ruby. Um, you know, select few gems or it might be Node or whatever. But pretty much the versions stay the same. So it's not like my entire world changes with every project. And that's uh, it's probably a bigger reason why I don't see the, the benefits for myself. Sorry, guys. I was uh, I've managed to get the question and answer section up and running now. It was uh, it was dying before, but um, but there we go. I also might hop on uh, IRC in a moment just to see if people are are asking anything on there. Um, but does anyone else uh, have anything to add about Vagrant? I mean, uh, one thing that I'm really excited about is uh, Vagrant 1.5. That share stuff, Erica. I'm sure you've seen this. Um, yes. Can you explain what that is and why it's amazing? Uh, in the RC. Or the oh, the shared boxes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, I don't try the, uh, the, the new stuff. There's a, there are some things that you can already try. They are seeing uh, for the shared folders. But this is going to be big, the box sharing. You can actually share a Vagrant box through the internet with someone that is not in your private network or, or anything like that. Um, I'm not sure yet how it's going to be in terms of security, but they uh, in the blog post uh, they like they assure that it's going to be fine. So okay, as long as the blog post said it's secure. Yes. Um, I did notice the thing. Um, I mean, I feel like if you if you share that constantly, if you just share it now and leave it online and tweet it and and leave it there for a while, you're going to end up with some problems. Um, but they had some things like. Uh, you can SSH in from anywhere. Anyone can SSH in once you've shared the link, but you can configure it so the first person uh, gets in, and then everyone else after that is banned. So I feel like the the security concerns are like mitigated fairly well just by by features like that. Um, I guess you could also have like passwords on there and stuff, but we'll see. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> um, Oh, okay, so uh, the question we have here from Jesse O'Brien is: What uh, new Vagrant features? What else? What else? What other features are there coming up? Do you know of any, Erica? Well, um, I am uh, excited about the rsync folders because uh, it's probably going to be better than the current options we have now. We only have the NFS option to get it better, but it's also it's not 
really good, it's very slow and leads to a lot of problems. So I think that the R-Sync will be a good option also for Windows users because NFS doesn't work on Windows. I forgot that Windows just doesn't have that NFS stuff. I had some problems with uh, OS X when I upgraded to Mavericks. It just didn't support NFS for a while. And then I guess I think this, the, it solved itself. But relying on NFS does seem to, to cause quite a lot of problems. Right, done. Sorry. Uh, what are your thoughts on using Bash as a provisioner? Or why not use it? So I guess this is why is something like Ansible better than just writing a Bash script? Is that for me, uh, the question? It's for whoever would like to take it. <laughs> uh, the reason for not using Chef? Sorry, I... Sorry, um, why, is, uh, why is something like Ansible or Bash or Chef, why is that better than... Sorry, I asked that wrong. <laughs> why is Ansible, Puppet or Chef or anything like that, like Salt, uh, better or, or worse than using Bash as a provisioner? Well, um... It's like comparing, uh, well, in the end, it's like everything is going to execute flash commands, but if you use a tool like that, it provides all, a lot of features that you don't, you would have to implement in shell script like manually. And so the tools are really powerful. They are automation tools. They are used to deploy real servers and a lot of stuff like that. And so I don't know how to explain that, but it's it's really, it seems like using a framework, a lot of tools, uh, or implementing everything from the ground, in my opinion. Yeah, I think to that point, um, if you compare Ansible to, to Bash, you know, it, it looks pretty much the same. You're almost isolating the comments themselves. If you look at Puppet, it's a little bit different, where the, the modules are a little bit more complex than just mapping out to, to direct uh, executables in, in, in Bash. Uh, but I think what you get is, is shareability in one place. I mean, it's easier to organize your Ansible scripts into modules and things that you can drop in into other installs than to do that with Bash. I mean, Bash is not, you know, this, it's not Python. It's not, it's not, a, a, you know, a big language where you can really organize things into special files and then, you know, put them into folders and one calls the other. It, it takes a lot of work to get into that. Uh, whereas with, with Ansible and Puppet, uh, well, first of all, you have a whole bunch of people already sharing, you know, ready-made recipes and, and things like that that you can just drop in and use. Uh, and you get this uh, slight layer of abstraction, more in some cases, less in the others, but, but you still get that layer of, 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 of abstraction that just makes it easier to, you know, bring that in, execute it, and, and get it out. Uh, something I really like about systems like Puppet, um, I've used all three of them, but uh, Puppet does seem to be the most kind of succinct version, um, is if you want to install a Postgres server and have it running with um, certain configuration, have it running with a, um, a user and a password in a database already set up with that user and that password, that in Bash would be horrible. It would take a lot of different commands, and uh, if you had Vagrant running kind of Bash as a provisioner, it would, it would run those same commands every single time. So you'd have 20 or 30 rather complicated commands, you know, apt, get, install, and a bunch of other stuff. Whereas in Puppet, you literally have, uh, like, I think it's like four lines, and it's just Puppet server, Puppet data, uh, sorry, Postgres server, Postgres database, and then you put in username and password as attributes, and it automatically takes care of that for you. And if you try running it again, um, before it tries to actually create the uh, Puppet database, it will say, is there already a Postgres database uh, created with this name? Oh, there is. Okay, well then, don't bother making a new one. So it it knows what it's done and can check if it has to do it again, and then won't fail if it already exists. Whereas Bash will just try doing it every single time and then go, ah, I can't do it, and you'll have errors, and you won't know if they're actually errors or whether Bash has just been an idiot. Um, so that's no fun. Well, yeah, you you can do that in Bash, but you know, imagine all the boilerplate you have to put around it to, you know check if this exists or do it or like all, all that boilerplate in bash especially which is not you know very succinct is quite verbose actually that that must be hell that must be quite yeah yeah that's the trouble i guess what i meant was with uh, with puppet and chef the, the same commands that you say install this with uh, it automatically knows to look so you don't have to write extra boilerplate to say please install this if it's not installed because it kind of does that itself in the background which is you know very clever um 
So that's that's that. Edmund, I hope that answered your questions. Um, and what else are people talking about here? Apparently, I look suave is one response. I like that. That's good. Thank you, Matt Frost. Fan of the show. I like how you ran to the bathroom and threw water in your hair right before we started. <laughs> it wasn't water. I was gelling it. It was all fucked up looking. <laughs> you hey, you've seen uh, you've seen those newscasters on television. They don't look like shit. Um, what other questions have we got? Idempotence, yes. We all managed to talk about that stuff without actually using the word idempotence. Sean McCord is right. We definitely missed out there. Mostly because I can't actually say the word idempotent without really struggling. So I thought it was idempotent. I, I had no idea how to say that. Oh, is it is impotent? Idempotent. I think it's idempotent, yeah. I had no idea. I think it's idempotent, no? I don't know. Nice. I'd said it in uh, speaking before, and I just like go through it super fast. I don't know. Let's keep going. Yeah, cool. Uh, Raphael, what have you been working on recently? I've, I've met you a bunch of times, but I don't know too much about what you actually do for a job. Uh, well, I've been trying to hang on after messy last year. had some personal issues to, to go through. Uh, currently, I'm working for a very small company. Literally, it's, it's one manager and two developers and a whole bunch of business people. Um, we're basically working uh, with the... Um, that we started with crowdfunding and now we're kind of in that whole uh, in investor market and it's financial stuff. It's, it's, I, I don't think I can even explain to you what the hell market we're in. I just know I have, you know, specs and I have to go to them, but uh, so, so it's not like, uh, it's not like, Oh my God, this is really awesome. But uh, we are getting to play around with some uh, very cool technologies um, you know, try out new things and, and poke Symfony in so many different ways to see how it, it, it can react to things. Um, so not, not really anything fancy in, in that area, um, but I am mostly working uh, on, on side projects. So DMS filter is one. It's a little filtering um, library that apparently most people have forgotten to, to do. You know, everyone is, is all cushioned in their uh, frameworks and I haven't seen much filtering going on. And, you know, you should be doing that. Uh, but it basically uses, like, annotations to enable filtering on, on entities. So it's very much focused on, like, people who are using Doctrine and stuff. But it can also be used completely apart from that. Uh, could you give us an example of the sort of use cases where you'd want filtering in your code? I mean, like you said, people a lot of people use frameworks, uh, which handles most of their filtering for them. So... Is is there any uh, framework that you or any use case where this stuff would still be useful to those people that do use frameworks? Uh, so filtering is it, it's one of those things. I mean, if, uh, if you look at like Symfony and, and and Twig and all that stuff, they really try to escape and filter stuff automatically. Uh, but sometimes you really want to you know ensure that things are what you expect, right? So if if you have for say uh, alphanumeric. Uh, field and you want to make sure that the alphanumerics are in there, you can either do that by validating and telling the user, oh, you put something wrong in there, or you can just go ahead and drop anything extra. Uh, like if, if, if it's a name input, you know, if, if anyone puts in a sign, you just want to drop that and go through with that. So it's definitely a dying art because of all the, the stuff that's going around. Uh, but if you look at all the, the, the projects out there, I've seen lots of people actually use, um, what's that PHP function, uh, filter vars which is like the very primitive uh, version of that. Um, so this framework kind of just, this little library just wraps those up into, into new things, into, you know, object-oriented stuff. Uh, and you can use it for a whole bunch of stuff. Like I completely runs out of my memory now, but, uh, you know, filtering um, alphanumerics, or if you want to make sure that what you're getting is a Boolean, you want to convert stuff from one to the other, instead of leaving all of that implicit to PHP, uh, you you want to make sure that you get the right things. That sounds pretty cool. Um, can you make sure you throw me a link to that so that we can put it in the show notes? Yeah, sure. I'm currently working on getting uh, version 2.0 out there, uh, especially the the Symphony bundle. Uh, I was working with uh, Guilherme Blanco in a few tweaks, so that should be coming out next week. I'll make sure to give you the link. Sweet. Um, something else I try and do on this show is to just troll through Reddit and see what we can talk about. Um, one. Uh, so the top one right now is PHP Storm 8 early access. Uh, do you guys use PHP Storm at all, or what, uh, Erica? What what IDE or text editor do you use? I use PHP Storm. I <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I don't use all the features. There are a lot that I don't know how to use, but I I use some and I really like it. 
I feel like if you use Vagrant and you use PHP Storm, then your battery must be just broken. Like, how does your computer survive <laughs> with an IDE and Vagrant? It's so time. <laughs> the battery connected with the power. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Uh, so you don't work out of the coffee shop very often, then, eh? Um, <laughs> what, what is it about PHP Storm that makes you really excited about using it? What What's your favorite part? Um, it prevents me from common uh, silly mistakes uh, that I usually do, uh, like forgetting, uh, you know, a comma or something like that. And, and I know there are other editors that provide this, but uh, I ended up liking the visual and everything got used to it. So, but I, I also I, I like Sublime. There's a feature in Sublime that I couldn't find uh, in another editor. It was like multiple line selects. Yes. You know, the cursor and the news can select multiple lines. It was awesome. But I yeah, the multi-select <laughs> is my favorite part of Sublime, and it's why I've still uh, kept using yeah. it. And even though Atom's out, and Atom does most of what Sublime does, um, they they haven't quite got their multi-line cursor stuff working properly. Like, I just love the fact that you can uh, hold command and click all over the place, or hold command and, and just select a line, and just there's so many cool things you can do. Sorry, Raphael, what a... Yes, well, you know, it's interesting that you're talking about multi-line selection, and that just came in in a PHP Storm 8. So I was playing around with that today, and that, that is awesome. That, it, it really is awesome. If you look at the blog post for the early release uh, program, it's in there. So it's, it's pretty cool. And why do I use PHP Storm? I mean, I tend to kid with the, uh, the JetBrains guys that I'm the... the, the biggest uh, evangelist in their team who's not on the payroll because <laughs> i just i just fell in love with the idea a few years ago i mean i came from netbeans and you know a whole bunch of other editors in the past and what i liked is that php storm even though it did everything that netbeans did it was just so much snappier so much faster right uh, and as i started using it and diving into the features it does a whole bunch of extra stuff that's just really cool um actually one of the Top favorites I have is the the PHP uh, inspection stuff they have that you know instantly gives you a whole bunch of inspections on the code, uh, but you can also run the code instantly through a PHP code sniffer. Right, so we use uh, PSR two for all of our code, uh, and you can set it in in the project. Hey, you know, uh, scan PHP CS and then PSR two, and it will give you as you're coding, it will tell you, hey, you just violated rule whatever. You should you know break a line here, put the, you know, put a bracket on the next line, all that kind of stuff. And that's pretty cool. Uh, it also integrates very much with, uh, with Vagrant and all the other tools. So you get all of that stuff in the IDE. And I find myself leaving the IDE less and less, right? Could you tell me a little bit about the Vagrant integration in PHP Storm? I've not heard anything about that. Uh, so basically, it, it, well, PHP Storm also has like the, um, a terminal inside of it. Uh, but basically what it allows you to do with Vagrant is you can um, you can basically run all of the Vagrant commands straight from PHP Storm, right? So you have this little toolbar where you can just click play. It'll bring the machine up. You can press reload and, and suspend and all those comments. It'll just go through that. And I think it also does a bit of um, highlighting on the Vagrant file in terms of syntax highlighting, but I'm not sure on that. But basically it allows you to control your, your Vagrant setup uh, straight from the IDE without having to, you know, switch over to a, an open terminal or something like that. Well, that sounds pretty handy. Um, something that really frustrated me when I was, uh, I got a very, I got early access to the Atom editor, and I was very excited to try it out because it does a lot of stuff out of the box really nicely. Um, what really frustrated me was uh, whenever I said something good about Sublime, um, uh, whenever I said something good about Atom. There would be 20 people replying, oh, but Sublime can do that if you add these add-ons and configure it and, and then do this. Um, and I was just about to say to you guys, when talking about PHP Storm support for code sniffer and, and uh, static analysis in general, oh, Sublime can do that, so I'm just as bad as everyone else. Um, I figure most of these systems can do the same thing if you configure them enough, but I guess it's nice to have something like PHP Storm do it for you without you having to learn how to set that up. Um, ben? Yeah, um, I'm still on Sublime myself, too. But we had a question come in about Atom, so I just wanted to address it a little more. I was actually pretty impressed by it, especially for you know a first beta release. It's pretty, pretty stable, pretty nice. Um, it looks a lot like Sublime, which I guess is good. But then it was also kind of a, kind of weird because <laughs> first glance you could probably mistake the two. But um, I think it has a pretty good future behind it. I'm not too sure about 
you know, how useful is the console and the you know inspecting and all that stuff? Like, how useful is that day to day? Not really. I imagine um, it'll be quite handy for uh, developing add-ons. I had a little play with developing add-ons for it, and um, and getting that console stuff in there is is pretty handy for that. Apart from that, I don't think anyone really cares. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what um, Del Rees can do styling it. I imagine he'll do some pretty crazy shit. Uh, yeah, his his styles for um, for Sublime, if anyone hasn't used them, are great. Uh, I have three different three of his themes set up. Uh, one for each different language. So when I'm using PHP, Python, or Ruby, I have different colors so that I forget where to put the fucking semicolon and the and know when to put then after an if or not, uh, which really helps out. That's actually a really good idea because I I'll find myself you know throwing semicolons at the wrong language all the time. Yeah, I'm I'm just there. I constantly write the wrong thing because they're all so similar now, especially with with PHP. I use five five all the time. And PHP 5.5, so much of it is very similar to the way that you write things with Ruby or Python. Because um, instead of Ruby blocks, you have you know uh, callbacks, and and modern APIs are starting to take advantage of those features. So you're looking at a piece of code, and it's, like especially with short array syntax, if you just have the exact same style of uh, colors, and and you're just looking at a piece of code, it can take you a couple of seconds to work out which language you're writing in. So if I've got one in orange, one in purple, and one in gray, then it's just like you know visual visual recognition, and it's obvious. Uh, actually, yeah, I had a, I've I've been writing a list of notes about um, about what is annoying me about Atom. I want to do a review in a week, and uh, and so far that one of the no- most annoying bugs is that uh, if you do command slash to to comment things, it works in Python, Ruby, and HTML. But if you try commenting in PHP, it treats it as HTML. So you can select a whole five lines, and it puts HTML comments around your five lines of PHP code. Uh, growing pains. I'm still young. Yeah. Well, the one thing I also like about uh, PHP Storm is not the ID itself. Is is, is JetBrains as a whole. Um, they're like a very cool company to work with. They're very supportive of the community and stuff. I mean, they sponsor God knows how many uh, meetups around the world, and they always have licenses for everyone in Amsterdam PHP. I mean, I I struggle to find someone in Amsterdam PHP who does not yet have a license they won in a raffle. That's just how many licenses we're putting off all the time, right? I think Raphael is secretly sponsored by JetBrains. I, I wish. They haven't found my, 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 my account yet. I need to send them that information. Yeah, I won a license there. So <laughs> my license was in Amsterdam PHP. And I, about Atom, I was I wanted to try it, and everybody was talking about it. And so Phil, it changes something about um, how it uh, works with MD files, Markdown. It, it, uh, it looked good, and I wanted, I figured out someone to give me an, invi- an, an invitation, but then it's only for Mac, so oh. I couldn't use it. I use Linux. So. Yeah, I would assume they'll port that soon enough because it's on a cross-platform you know, base. Yeah, but then you have to compile and everything, and I'm yeah. good, okay. I have my editor already. <laughs> I just want a dev file to install on Ubuntu. Yeah. Yeah, I quite honestly, I opened it, clicked around, looked at it, says, oh, yeah, this, this really does look a lot like Sublime. Yeah, okay, back to work. And then, yeah. That's pretty much where I was. I was very caught up in the whole, like, it's the Wild West. Like, there's all these new features, and no one knows how to use them. And I was on the IRC with like 500 people, and all of us were trying to work out how, when you develop a um, a package, uh, you can add config to it. Like a really simple thing, because we were trying to work on the static analysis. Uh, the guy that made Sublime Linter was trying to work, trying to make it the same thing for Atom, and I was there trying to add the ability to have a drop-down list to select which type of standard you would like your code to be to be done with, and nobody had a clue. And we were just all there at like 2 a.m. We're trying to figure it out. And eventually, I, I found some code which did it. And then some other people were like, yay, now we know. Like, there's no documentation for any of this stuff. I asked how you can hook on to specific events or what the list of events are. And someone pasted me a, a link to a gist, which was um, uh, populated with some grep command that they ran. And it had some, some list of commands. Like, it's all so, so early right now that literally no one knows how half of this shit works, apart from maybe the, the team that made it in the first place. Um. 
Yeah, yeah I think I think I think that's one of the big things to me and Adam is is uh, it's probably easier to write new things for it than than it is. I mean, for example, I've been trying to um, write an object calisthenics um, inspector for uh, PHP Storm, and the whole thing is in Java, so it's like ah, Java. Uh, so I can imagine with Atom, you, you at least that's a little bit easier. I'm not sure what language it's in, but well, it's all bloody coffee script. <laughs> I was okay, there. so I'm divided now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. At least Sublime is Python, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of CSS. Well, no, it's not even CSS. They advertise it like it's you know web technologies, but it's not. It's bloody abstract web technologies. It's not JavaScript. It's coffee script, and it's not CSS. It's less. Um, so everything's, I'm not, I'm not hipster enough to like any of those technologies. So despite living in Williamsburg, uh, I just noticed your, uh, your product placement, you conveniently left on your couch behind you. Oh dear. Did I leave <laughs> fractal t-shirt? Yeah. So we've got some double claw t-shirts. Um, I'm getting pretty pro at this stuff now. I've got, I've got some scales that, um, automatically calculate shipping and I'm not yeah, gonna- that's for shirts and not. You know, drugs, I'm sure. Yeah, it does specifically say on there, please don't use this for drugs. <laughs> drugs are illegal. Um, although not where you guys live and probably not that much longer in America. So two states down, not that I care. Um, it depends on the drugs. Eh? <laughs> yeah, true. But by the way, I should thank you. Uh, I also have my uh, double claw shirt up here. Thanks That's... to you and the guy who I can't, uh, exactly. I can't spell his name, Sishan. I always butcher oh. his name. Oh, yeah, sorry, I posted it to a friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also don't know how to pronounce his name, so I figured you would. He's, yeah, uh, I've been trying to learn, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's Dutch names. I can't even say his Twitter handle. I've known that guy. He's one of the, the, the... I've known him for longer than I've known anyone in the PHP community. He helped me out with programming when I was using PHP BB, and I was 12 years old. Um, and we talked about, um, we talked about how basic shit worked on MSN Messenger. Um, it was awesome. Uh, but I think his Twitter handle is like Rhyhaximus. It's Wireximus. Or yeah. so. I'm really bad with names. Uh, I learned from Carl Evans to butcher names very well. So I've been doing the same thing. That's why Ben did the introductions today. Um, where are we at? We're at 45 minutes so far. So now seems like a wonderful time uh, to, to ask you guys for your favorite project or thing, like uh, your interesting thing of the show. Um, so, Raphael, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So, uh, last week, uh, well, I had, I had been using um, Ascetic to do, like, compiling CSS and stuff, and people just kept, you know, throwing stuff and screaming at me whenever I mentioned that. Uh, and they kept saying, you know, look at other things like Grunt and stuff. So, um, last week, we, we kicked off a new project, and I decided, okay, you know, let's, let, let me give all of this stuff a try. Uh, and then apparently the new kid on the block is is Gulp.js. So I gave that a try, and it's actually pretty cool. Um, it has a few advantages I see over Grunt. Uh, mostly people uh, speak about performance because it does things like in, in parallel, thanks to, you know, fancy Node.js streams and all that stuff. Um, but the thing is the syntax, it's, um, what do they call it? It's code over configuration, right? Whereas if you use Grunt, you see a lot of configuring what you want to be executed. Whereas with Gulp, you kind of write small little functions where you pipe functions, you know, chain them into another and say, okay, take this file, compress it, um, then minify, then do this, that, and then save it to this one. So you kind of like, you, you pipe that one file through a whole bunch of processes and get the result you want at the end. So that's pretty cool. I'm quite impressed by it. Well, that's interesting because I'm using Grunt now for a lot of things and it can be pretty slow. So what kind of performance boost are you seeing with Gulp? So I, I can't really compare. I didn't try both of them. Um, but Gulp does them in, in, in parallel. So at the very least, you get you know double the speed if you have two tasks going. Um, but it's also a lot less verbose, I found. I think to me, uh, you know, I really like things like they're easy to read. I mean, I'm a big object calisthenics guy, and I talk about readability all the time. So I want things that I can look at and say, oh, this is what it is. Uh, and I, which is why, you know, like Ansible, like we sp- we spoke in the beginning, I really like those things that are easy. And I find Gulp is easier to grasp what's going on uh, than Grunt. Oh, cool. Well, I'll definitely check it out. Um, Erica, do you have a, a cool thing to share with us? You're on mute, Erica. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I talked before about PuffPet, and uh, now there's an alternative for Ansible for creating Vagrant uh, setups with via a web interface, and it's really on early stages, and we accept contributions. So you can check on GitHub, or you can go it's phansible.com, fansible.com. Cool. Uh, oh God, that's a bit easier to say than uh, than fuff it, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> no fun for anyone. Uh, sorry, Ben, I thought you were about to do yours. Um, so my my favorite thing, uh, I guess it's going to have to be stamps.com. Um, they're also um, sponsors of multiple other podcasts, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this reference in there and see if we can get some cash out of them. Um, but uh, this these scales I have here have uh, saved my life. Before that, I was running around with just armfuls of these fucking made-in-production T-shirts, um, just desperately trying to get them all sent off. And this is like uh, half the price, and I can just I, I'm sitting here, do it, you know, working out how much they cost. I've got a little label printer as well, so I can just that cost me like fifty bucks. Um, so I can just sit there, weigh them, it prints them off. I chuck them in the in the post box, and I can I can get the hell on with my day instead of spending my entire life being a mailman. So that's definitely an awesome service that you guys should check out, stamps.com. How's the uh, the shirt business coming along? You seem to be doing pretty good. You sold out quick. Yeah, we had some serious teething troubles um, the first time around. Um, I won't mention who the supplier is because I, I feel for them. I really do. Um, but they, they have some serious bugs with their web interface. Um, so when trying to create an order, it's very easy for you to... It's either very difficult to get anything done or very easy to have a fucked up order. So we had um, we we thought we had all of our gray shirts coming, and the, the gray shirts just never turned up. Um, and uh, it took us a while. We've we've got it all sorted out now, and there's only there's only four people that have had to wait a long time. But we have we have uh, the shirts are generally only taking a couple of weeks to get to their destinations. I've got a massive uh, couple of boxes of them down there, so uh, you know we can see we've got plenty of shirts. Uh, we've got them all over the world. They've been spotted as far away as Brazil, uh, Madrid, and um, and they're in Amsterdam as well. Obviously, Raphael's got one. Uh, they're all over the place, so you should definitely go and get one from MadeInProduction.com. Cool. Was that in the Brazil Carnival? <laughs> Maybe I can't remember. Somebody <laughs> out there has one. There's lots of ones in Canada as well, so that's fun. Did you finally get one large enough for uh, Chris Harches? <laughs> I stapled three together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so I guess my cool thing is going to be uh, Bug Snap. I've been using it a bit lately. It's um, a front-end JavaScript bug tracking utility. So uh, you know most of us have logs for PHP errors and whatnot, but uh, a lot of times you don't know what's going on with the JavaScript. So they'll take care of that for you. You get nice little uh, reports on all your JavaScript errors and tell you how much you suck. Uh, that sounds pretty handy. Actually, yeah, so we work on the same project, Ben. I'm not sure if we're meant to talk about this. We can edit it out. We won't, yeah. any we won't give away any details, but um, <laughs> me and Ben are both currently uh, working on a project for a mutual friend, and uh, all of a sudden I started getting emails from Bugsnap, and I didn't know what's happening, um, but now I get 20 fucking emails a day because he's some code badly. I'm like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I told him to cut mine off because that first day I just couldn't see through my inbox. There were so many. <laughs> yeah, if you get some sort of error in a for loop, then you get a lot of emails. So Yeah, and it kind of, uh, if you get one JavaScript error, you tend to get 50 JavaScript errors in one page load. So that's, that's a bad thing. I don't need a tool to tell me I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Phil's for. He just keeps messaging you. Yeah, well, Phil and Chris do a really good job of it. <laughs> yeah, um, Chris Hartjes is currently shouting at me because I haven't posted his tent yet. So Sorry, uh, T-shirt. <laughs> I meant T-shirt. Um, so we actually had one question, if you guys, uh, if you don't mind discussing it. Um, I, I actually think this is probably a question mostly for me, so I don't know. Uh, Raphael, do you follow internals all that much? Uh, you know, every now and then I feel, you know, Kind of down, so I go look and, and get cheered up with all the you know soap novels in there. Uh, so yeah, occasionally I do follow it just to see what's going on. Yeah, um, we've had someone ask how the uh, array of vote is going. Um, I tried discussing this on the episode with Jeffrey, and it didn't work out very well, so we cut the whole thing. Um, but have you guys been looking at the array of uh, RFC at all? Do you guys care about that feature? 
Is this going to be just a long whine like the last one, or is this... Uh... No, this one is okay. succinct. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did yeah, follow I the know. beginning of the whole thing, and then I saw, I saw that, you know... I, basically, I've been seeing all the drama that seeps out of internals into Twitter and then goes back and then comes in and then goes back. Uh, but I haven't really gone to all, all of the, the details. Uh, I did see uh, Derek's comment on, on the array of and then having native uh, collections. And as soon as he mentioned native collections, I just went off on, on yes, I want that because, you know, that goes very well with uh, object calisthenics. So, yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of different... Uh, I, I'm not going to talk so much about what happened during the discussion of the, of the feature because it got a bit silly. Um, but what people basically the vote is happening right now, and the I think the vote runs out tomorrow if I remember rightly. And uh, so far it's about I don't know twenty to three um, against. So <laughs> so basically array of is not happening as uh, as the RFC is. So quick a really quick one um, for people that don't know what the array of vote is. Currently you can type hint. You can't type in against everything. We don't have scalar type, so you can't say in float whatever, but you can say, um, I would like an instance of um, SBL file info, you know, an instance of foo, bar, whatever. Uh, this RFC would have a syntax, so you can put two square brackets next to next to a type hint, and, uh, and it will say, instead of having one of those, I would like a number of those. So I'd like a number of things. This is really useful for defining an interface that um, instead of, if you're defining a HTTP interface, for example, you could say, I would like an array of headers, instead of just saying, I'd like an array of some stuff. I don't care what you put in there. Um, so the vote is currently going to be a no. And what this means is, because PHP 5.6 is coming out, uh, beta, PHP 5.6 beta 1 is coming out very, very soon, which is awesome news. But it means that array of won't have a chance to fix or improve itself in time for PHP 5.6. Um, so we're going to probably change the syntax to look more like um, hack or HHVM's generators just to keep the, the, the masses happy. Um, and then that will probably end up going in for PHP 5.7. But the, uh, unfortunately, we aren't going to get array of in time for PHP uh, 5.6. Uh, I, th I think that's a bit fair. I mean, uh, you know, big things like that, they need some time to, to mature. Uh, and we, we all went through the whole uh, OP code, uh, OP cache uh, drama where they delayed everything just because of that. Uh, and if we went into that again because of something new, uh, you know, that kind of throws the whole credibility of the thing off. So I actually think it's, it's actually pretty mature of them to say, okay, you know, this is something interesting, but we don't have enough time to get it in. Uh, and then you know, try it for the next version. As long as it's just that, right? If yeah, if that was the reasoning, then that would be absolutely fine. That wasn't really the reasoning. <laughs> um, yeah. most, there, there, there were lots of different reasons, and some of them were great. Um, well, some of them were interesting, at least. Uh, most of them were just we should hold up on this feature because we don't know if we might want generics later. And even though we could have generics and array of, we should definitely not put this feature in now because we might want this other feature in the future which could technically exist side by side next to both. It was a really weird decision, but but either way, um, I agree that jamming things in for beta, just before beta, after alphas, probably isn't a wonderful idea. Um, but uh, regardless of any of that, we're not getting it now, so I guess it doesn't matter. If you want, I can go in and vote for you just, just so you feel better. <laughs> Yay! I've just looked up the numbers, and it's uh, 15 to 4. Um, the only people on side are Dave Random... Uh, LS Trajuni, M Rook, and me. Um, Rasmus and Stas and Andre and everybody. Nobody wants this. <laughs> has, a, uh, has Rasmus ever voted yes to an RFC though? Uh, once back in 2009, I believe it was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's that's what I was gonna say. I think if you run a little script for all the votes and and show up who who always says no, who always says yes. Yeah, it will be quite revealing. I, I know quite a few names that are always on the no column. Yeah, this I generally don't want to give this the. I, I've written posts before about like internals being a bit crazy at times, and like the, the like the, um, the 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 Hebrew double semicolon error and stuff like that, where people are just being fucking lunatics. But I don't feel like this is one of those times. I feel like there was 
there were two possible features, and people don't know enough about either of them, myself included. Um, so there's just a bit of confusion, and then the time ran out on the clock, so people just said no, because it's easier than saying yes. Um, so I'm kind of fine with that. Uh, some of the other arguments against array of were things like um, uh, if you type hint against one thing, you know it's going to be one thing. If you type hint against an array of stuff, then uh, it has to run through the entire array, right? Traverse the entire contents of the array to make sure that everything is the correct type. Now, the reason I'm not concerned about that is because this feature would be used by people that are currently doing that themselves, right? Like, if you have an array and you say, I want everything in this array to be an instance of this type, you're going to have a for-each loop, and you're going to check the contents or array walk or something, and you're going to do that yourself. Whereas, uh, so there's no real difference between using this syntax once and you doing the for-each loop yourself once. But then the point they uh, suggested was, if you pass this argument on to five different methods, and each one of those methods has the same type hint against it, then not if you have if you pass an array with a thousand items and you and that array goes into five different places, then you've iterated through that array five times, and that's going to be slow as shit, right? So that's one thing against it. Yeah, I think to to that point, um, like when the, when I said when Derek mentioned native collections, that that's something that that appealed a lot to me. Um, if you have a native collection and you can easily extend it and say, okay, this is a collection of headers, and then you type hint the add method in that, for example, then you kind of you you kind of still validating that before because you're now expecting an array of collections, and that array of collection is then type hinting that all oh, that sorry, and a collection of headers. Oh, I'm messing up myself. <laughs> collection of headers, and then that collection is validating that everything that's going in is a header. You're kind of getting the same benefit at the end, uh, but you're using a more regular construct. So I can also see where where that could actually go pretty well. Yeah, that was uh, the using the collections was another one of those uh, suggestions where instead of doing something natively with more syntax, you can already do it in PHP, but potentially with more work and effort put in. So just do the more work and effort thing, which it's not necessarily a bad idea. It solves the problems of. Um, it solves the problems of obviously a thousand things being in your collection. You're not going through every item in the collection and finding out if they're all the same because the collection uh, checked them at add time, right? So when you tried putting something in there, it says, this is the wrong thing. And then when you check, you just make sure the collection is called something. So that's one way of doing it. And it could be pretty cool. I hope I see that. Um, but I feel like array of is mostly, in my head at least, meant for something slightly different. And the use of it is severely reduced by the fact that we don't currently have scalar type hinting. So if I could say, give me an array of integers, um, uh, or sorry, give me an array of floats, and that's a really good way of saying I'd like an array of constants, uh, uh, an array of um, an array of like geocode coordinates, right? So if I was making geo tools and I'd say I want a couple of uh, I want a couple of, of floats in there, then I just use um, float, square brackets, and that's that, which is very different from, you wouldn't make a collection for that, right? But it, and it still, it still documents what you're trying to do, but it, collections are, are kind of a different use case for that stuff. Yeah, I can appreciate that that gets a little bit more confusing because uh, when you type hint, you're basically, um, you're protecting yourself against bad builds. When you type hint array of items, then you're successful to you know bad input, and and that's a, a bit of a different moment to handle the error, right? PHP will just blow up and will not give you a nice little exception that you can treat. So I can see where you know it's it's a touchy topic. Yeah, for sure. So I guess we'll revisit in five, seven, and whatever. Ben. So this was your uh, your first internals RFC, right? Yes. Yeah, the code was supplied by uh, Crack Joe, Joe Watkins, and uh, he is uh, is not too excited about having to handle RFC procedures. As we all know, they're not particularly fun uh, endeavors. So uh, he basically writes the code, and I'm the mouthpiece, and uh, that seems to work. It was working out okay for like a day, and then it all went downhill. Well, that was my question. Are you burnt out now? Are you uh, are you going to venture back into internals land, or are you just like, fuck those guys? <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, that didn't work out. We didn't get our own way the very first time. People voted against it, and that's how democracy works. Woo! Land of the free. Um, it's fine. I mean, that, that one didn't work out. We still have to try and get it in. 
uh, in another form. Um, and it, essentially, it's just going to be a case of changing the syntax so that the array of type uh, stuff is uh, becomes becomes weak generics, and then by creating uh, full full generics later on. Um, we essentially support typed collections, as Raphael will be interested in. So with generics, you can uh, you can check and say this should be. Um, you can say I'd want an array of floats, or you can say I want uh, multiple instances of something or other with a slightly different syntax. But event essentially, it works exactly the same as array of, and essentially, it also works exactly the same as typed co uh, collections because you can create a generic, and then when you try and add stuff in, it will scream at you, um, so that you don't have to check when it's being passed in. So the two things it kind of do the same thing. So if we have weak, uh, weak generics in 5.7 and then something much stronger for version 6, then I feel like everyone wins, you know? Uh, speaking of you being a mouthpiece on, on RFCs, I still need to find someone to pick up the, the PSR2 uh, wrapping the negation bangs in white space. Uh, no. <laughs> No, I tried. I tried fighting for you. Um, for people that don't know what Raphael is talking about, um, PSR two um, is not the most complete or amazing style guide in the entire world. Um, there have been. I had to create an errata system just so we could start implementing uh, corrections and and notifications about stuff that people don't. There are a couple of things that were really fucking vague, and people didn't understand what PSR2 was talking about. So we've now started keeping track of them, and we've got a huge list of things. And one of them is something Raphael's really upset about, and it's if you try putting white space on either side of an exclamation point at the start of an if, then it shouts at you because you're not allowed to do that. Um, and we think it should be not the case, right? Yeah, and and it's it's actually it's not something everyone was against. It was one of those things that the text ended up pointing against. But it's like it's it's one of the major readability things that I really like to do. I, you know, there are other solutions. You can do your know, Yoda notation, and you can you can throw things around, put one space on one side, one on the other. Well, but it, the easiest way for you to really call attention to to that exclamation uh, mark is is to actually um, you know isolate it with with white space on both sides. But unfortunately, PSR two does not let it. And since I want to be compliant to PSR two, I have been trying to live with that. But it's still eat at me every now and then. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, there's there's so many more things that need to be resolved. I think what I'm going to do at some point, maybe about six months from now, is probably start a new style guide, or at least try and try and um, I'll, I'll, I'll draft something up in, a, in about six months, but there are so many things that are currently wrong with PSR2. There are so many bits that were vague or left out or considered incomplete. I mean, it only, it literally only talks about classes. There's no mention of how you use functions. So people see that they have to snake case their methods, and then they go around snake casing their functions, which I saw somebody doing on, on Reddit the other day. Um, and they're like, oh, PSR2 is such a pain in the ass. I'm really annoyed that I have to go around camel casing my functions. I'm like, you, you don't know. Nothing in there says that. So I feel like there's lots of things missing from PSR2, um, and, and that's one of the things. So we need to, we need to start again, make a new one. Which so, so what you mean is in six months you're gonna start another tabs versus spaces war? <laughs> no, it's gonna be um, <laughs> tabs versus spaces. Shut your mouth. We're, we're sticking with spaces. Um, it's a really funny one because for me, I was always tabs. I was a tabs guy. I was a code knight person, and I used I always used tabs. How do you guys feel about tabs versus spaces? Hands up for tabs. No, hands up. I'm still a tabs guy, hands but I changed to my editor, and now I don't notice. <laughs> hey, Spaces for the for the win, man. Yeah. Well, no, fine. I mean, I use them now. I was always a tabs person, and and then the uh, and then PSR two said use spaces. I was like, all right, what, whatever. But people still now, like three years later, two years later, are like, you can take them from my cold dead hands. Um, and I feel like they generally should calm down. But the problem with starting up a new style guide is that it's all going to kick off again. We're going to have arguments ad nauseum about which is better and why, and there is no. I just don't care. You're going to be like gray-haired with a cane and be like, use spaces. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. It'll never end. Never. <laughs> I made an April Fool's post, uh, I think a year or two ago, 
and uh, said, due to all the uh, the wonderful feedback and constructive feedback uh, available on Reddit, we've decided to uh, to actually revert our stance on uh, on spaces or on tabs in PSR2, and we've decided to um, actually go back to using tabs. And everyone was really excited, and so many people were upset when they found out it was an April Fool's joke. <laughs> See, that's why people really like you, Phil. Yeah, troll. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Jesse O'Brien is talking about you for some reason. I don't know what. I don't know what he's saying. Hang on. Oh, somebody thinks we were just dancing, but they found out that we were actually raising our hands. Never mind. Um, I feel like IRC is no longer being useful for our for our needs and questions. So uh, with array off covered, uh, I figure we're about time to call it a day. Sounds uh, good to me. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming on the show, guys. It's been fun. Um, uh, do you do you have anything to plug quickly? I'm just gonna one last time go buy maidenproduction.com t-shirts. I need the money. <laughs> and go and buy go and buy Erica's book, uh, Vagrant. Uh, we've actually got a bundle available. Yeah, I have a bundle. You should get it. Vagrant APIs, right? Yeah, I'll link that in. Ben? Uh, I'll do the same. My book, uh, it's still in progress, Building Secure PHP Apps, and uh, me and Phil have a, a bundle as well. Phil is really, he just doesn't care about quality at all. He'll bundle with anything and everything. <laughs> I bundled with these learning Laravel assholes that turned out to just be inventing, uh, pretending they had a book. That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> All right, so what's your book, Raphael? So I'm trying to get around to actually writing something uh, around the topic of uh, object calisthenics. I mean, if, if, if you've seen me speak, I one out of 10 chances, you know, like maybe eight out of 10 that I was speaking about object calisthenics. Um, so I think that, that, you know, probably something around that will be cool. Uh, I just need to, you know, figure out the time because M7PHP just keeps me busy enough to do, you know, help people like Erica be awesome. So, you know, it's kind of kind of hard to take it all, all all the time for myself when I get to help people like that all the time. So that's pretty cool. There you go. And next time we all need our little, uh, we need our names and, and pictures underneath our screen. That's pretty cool, Raphael. Yeah, after we stop the broadcast, yeah. you have to teach us how to do this. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I'm just a whiz, man. You know, it's it's Google knows who I am, so he just puts it there. Uh, <laughs> I need to learn how computers work. So uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's probably a book about that. Maybe, uh, and I'll bundle with it immediately without. Nice. <laughs> 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 right. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna close this broadcast now and um, stay on the line, and we can natter about how you make those toolbars. So. Uh, bye, everybody else. Thank you for listening. Bye. And, uh, Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for having me.